Welcome back to the Moto Moves podcast. Um, I want to just give a brief trigger warning. We're going to finish up recapping my domestic violence experience. Um, and I just want to give a fair warning for those that might be listening for the first time, or even if you aren't, um, at least you know what to expect. And uh, yeah, so I just want to continue, finish wrapping this part up. Um, so just to recap real quick, uh, we had um, in the previous episode, um, I covered a very abusive, um, violent um, interaction while I was pregnant. And so, um, like I mentioned before in the last episode, it wasn't like that was the first or last, but I think it was the most, um, um, meaningful or I don't even know meaningful. I don't even know how to describe it. Um, but definitely was one of the most impactful, I think, um, uh, events while I was pregnant. Um, so anyway, um, I was pregnant. Um, we still continue to have some domestic violence, uh, issues, encounters, um, he would do, you know, passive aggressive stuff. Like if we'd be driving, he'd like slam on the brakes. So like the, the seat would tighten on my belly, um, stupid little things like that, um, that seem minimal and stupid, but are actually causing damage. Actually, as a matter of fact, I have very, very high anxiety, um, in the car on the highway, especially, um, I get super triggered if, you know, you have to like slam the brakes or if I'm a passenger and somebody has to like keep slamming the brakes or like, um, braking quickly, like that will instantly trigger me. Um, kind of takes me back to those moments where, um, that was purposely done to cause me pain, you, you know? Um, and so it's crazy, right? You would never think that something like that would really affect someone so much in the long run, but it did and it has. And although I, I've worked on it, I'm trying to get better at it, that I can't help but um, start to feel anxious and distraught when I'm in the car and, and that happens. Even if it's not done, obviously it's not being done to hurt me. But, um, just, I can't help it. It's just a trauma that's been, um, that, that I experienced and that I can't, I can't kind of get past. Um, I think that's something that people don't understand about trauma. It doesn't matter how small or large, and that's why it's important not to compare traumas, right? Because a traumatic experience is a traumatic experience, and your brain processes trauma the same way. So it's important to acknowledge that uh, and not to minimize it to others and even for yourself, because I, I've done that too. You know, I've tried to justify like, oh, this is stupid. Like that shouldn't have affected me that much. It's just in my head and it's not in my head. Um, it's, um, it's a chemical imbalance and damage that has been done to my brain. And, and, um, there's nothing I can do about that. 
you know, there's no justifying that. It just is what it is. Um, but anyway, so um, we end up, I end up, uh, ha- I end up having preeclampsia with uh, Kaylee or with my daughter. And um, I end up really, really sick in the hospital. Um, and she comes early and my water breaks early in the morning and they're at the range that day. So I had a friend drive me. Um, eventually he shows up, um, they prep me, they set me up and he disappears for the whole entire day, just disappears. Um, so I was in a 10 hour labor, uh, with my friend. Um, and eventually my mom shows up and my family, um, and it's ready. F- it's time for me to start pushing. And ironically, he shows up about that time. Um, and so my daughter's born. She's this itty bitty five pound thing. Um, and we're done. <laughs> now we're uh, responsible for a whole new human being in this world. And, um, we get sent home pretty quick because that's how the hospital runs. Um, and we went home and, uh, we had issues with latching and, and things like that. She was tongue tied. I didn't want them to snip her tongue, especially at the Naval hospital because they aren't the best. Well, at least then they weren't the best at, um, many things, (laughs) So anyway, um, yes, nursing was not a very, very, very realistic thing for us. So um, I ended up uh, one day out of frustration. I just went and bought a bunch of formula and I was just like, um, this it's not, just not working. It's not happening. I was tired and frustrated. She was tired and frustrated, whatever. And um, that blew up into some big, big issue. Um it was ridiculous. He called everyone. He called his family, called my family, told them that I was refusing to feed my daughter and that he was going to call CPS on me and all this craziness. And I was just a postpartum and I just didn't give a shit. <laughs> um, and I was just like, do what you want. I don't even care. Like she's hungry. I'm tired. I'm clearly not feeding her enough. But again, it's one of those mind control things, right? Like why would you threaten to do that to me? And why would you call everyone to make me look so horrible? I did not refuse my child's food. Um, she couldn't eat. She couldn't latch. Everything was slipping out of her mouth. And so she was so hungry and and always crying and angry. You know, like I was just trying to help her. But of course, it was another opportunity for him to try and manipulate me and others against me. And so that was just kind of like um, one of the initial, you know, beginning things that um, started when after I gave birth. And um, so we were at a crossroads at that point because um, he either had to shit or get off the pot. Um, He was at reenlistment point, but 
um, he wasn't meeting the weight requirement, therefore he couldn't um, promote. And it was crazy. And so I was stressed out and I kept telling him like, do we, you have to do something because now we have a kid, we need medical insurance. Like, what are we going to do if you get kicked out? Like something needs to be done. He didn't seem to care or have any sense of urgency. Um, so what happened is we ended up he ended up getting out and so we ended up staying at my mom's and um that was interesting to say the least um but we went to go stay at my mom's which was a house full of people um if you remember she had my sister which was uh i don't even know at that point like over six months old i think for sure um and or no maybe a year I don't even know. But the point is, is that it was a house full of people. And so we got out and we were staying with her and um, he was able, or I actually encouraged him to take this truck driving course that they offered for free for military that were getting out. And so he did take that. But when he, when we got out, he didn't want to work doing that, which I didn't understand why. So he ended up doing um, security work. And um, as soon as he started working, he started cheating on me again. So we went from him cheating on me on base um, uh, to getting out, cheating on me with whoever he met at work. Um, And so one night we were home and we had just put my daughter to sleep and the phone rang he was asleep and it was super late like almost 11 o'clock and so um by the time I went to try to go answer it uh I had gone to voicemail so I listened to the voicemail and it was a female on the other end saying hey it's me call me back um so I did and she assumed that it was him. So when she answered, she was like, hey, how are you? I was thinking about you. And I was like, excuse me. <laughs> and so I was like, who are you trying to reach? And she was like, oh, um, I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, um, I'm his coworker. And I was just trying to double check the schedule. And I was like, um, do you know he's married? She said, yeah. I'm like, do you know that he has a newborn daughter? Um, He's like, she's like, yeah. I'm like, do you know what time it is? Yeah. I said, well, then I suggest that you stop calling so late, especially to a Mary Mad's home when you know they have a newborn child. Uh, I said, you're disruptive and you're disturbing us. So please don't ever do that again. I hung up at her on her and I chucked the phone at his head and I was so pissed. He woke up and, you know, it just went out. I was like, who's this? This is not. And you know, um, he didn't know that I had already talked to her. So he was just kind of like, um, he was caught, you know, and so he was trying to like cover it up and, um, whatever. We just kind of went forward from there. Um, and I told him that I didn't want that to happen again. And so we went on with our merry day and our merry life. And, um, Things were rough being living at my mom's house and, you know, I was at home with the baby the whole time while he would go off to work and things were starting to get more and more distant. Um, It was hard for 
really um, like obvious abuse to happen, but still there was tiny little manipulative things being done and said, shade being thrown, you know, um, and I just tried to play it off and my mom didn't like it, you know, uh, but it was what it was. And so one night we decided to go out with a bunch of friends to a karaoke night out in a city nearby. And so I got dressed up and I did my makeup and all this. And all he did was basically insult me and degrade how I looked, telling me that um, what I was, I was wearing like a cherry pattern top, I'll never forget. And he kept telling me that was like, um, only hoes wore stuff like that. And I don't know, he just kept trying to belittle me. And I just felt so bad because we hadn't gone out in such a long time. I was kind of excited and I thought I looked nice for him, you know, and all he did was kind of put me down, but whatever. I tried to play it off because my friend, our friends were there. And so we went and we were, you know, drinking, I think it was like $5 margaritas and karaoke night or whatever. And we're trying to have a good time. And honestly, all he did was spend time outside on the phone. And um, I already knew what was going on, but I felt so stupid in front of all my friends, you know? So I just tried to play it off. And when we came home, um, I checked his phone and sure enough, he was talking to that same uh, female from work. And so um, the next day I, I actually called her at work um, and, you know, I just let her know, like, you're, you know, messing with um, a married man and this is a family that you're breaking up and uh, that you're getting in between. Um, and are you aware of that? And if you are, like, what kind of person are you to do something like that, you know? Uh, and she made this big deal and she went to my ex-husband and he made this big deal, yelled at me that I was going to get him fired and all this stuff. And, um, he said that, uh, that everything was my fault. If something went wrong at work, that he had told me that he wasn't going to talk to her anymore, all this stuff. But I had already proved that that's all he had been doing that night before. So anyway, the, day, the next day, he had a day off and um, he left the house multiple times for hours at a time. Like he didn't spend any time there. Um, I asked him to feed the baby and he was like feeding her in a bad mood and angry and like shoving the, f the spoon in her mouth. And um I remember being so pissed and telling him like, okay, you know, if you don't want to do it, I'll just do it. Like I'm trying to cook and wash dishes, like just fuck it, leave it. I'll do it. You know? And I remember the last time before he left that day, he like, uh, he walked past me and he shoved me with his shoulder in front of my mom, in front of everyone that was there. And then he just kept walking to the kitchen and washed his hands. And then when he left, he did it. He like kind of shoved me again and left. And um, my daughter was in one of those jumper things in the living room where he was feeding her. And I just remember thinking like, damn, 
like this is the life that she's gonna live you know I just something in me was like fuck this I can't no Kaylee cannot um she cannot live seeing this every single day of her life um and um I sat down and I fought my tears and I fed her and I changed her and um, I went on with my day. Um, that night when he came home, I spoke to him and I told him, I said, I refuse to raise my daughter in a home where um, she sees her mom mistreated and degraded and I was like, that's your daughter. Like, how would you like somebody else to treat her like that? And he kind of just sat there and didn't say anything. And I was like, I was like, I can't. I said, you really have to like realize your behavior and what you're doing and the example you're setting for your daughter. Like, that's, that's insane. You, you know, like you can't do that. And, um, he really didn't say anything and we went to bed and I didn't really sleep and I decided like I was done I was like this is the way this is my way out like I'm at my mom's house there's this is it this is how I'm gonna escape um and it's crazy because it was just a shove you know and it was just him being gone all day with her I knew he was with her um multiple times that day um you would think like all the other incidences would have been like the bottom line, like this is it, you have to leave. Not that I didn't want to and I didn't try, um, but this was the defining moment for me. And also I think it was the accessibility. Um, I felt safe and I I was already there. I was already living there with no job. <laughs> so um, nothing really was going to change. And so um, the next morning we woke up or we, he got up and I told him, I said, you know what? I think you need to grab your shit and leave. And he was like, excuse me. I said, yeah, I think you need to grab your things and you need to leave. I said, I refuse to raise my daughter in an environment where she's going to see her mother mistreated. I refuse to raise her in an environment where you're cheating and, um, preferring another woman over us I said I'm somebody's daughter she's your daughter I'm somebody's sister I was like how would you like it if you found out that your um, brother-in-laws were treating your fucking sisters like this that your dad treats your mom like this I'm like I'm somebody's mom now I said I deserve better and I was like and I refuse to raise my daughter in an environment where she thinks that this behavior is okay and I started crying and I said, you know what, just, I think it's best if you leave. And um, he sat there and he cried for about a good 10 minutes, grabbed his stuff, left, came back maybe 30 minutes later with one of the friends that was out with us that night um, at the karaoke. His dad's truck packed up all his shit and left. And that was it. And it's crazy because it's like reality set in right after that. And all I could do was just ball. 
I was just bawling and bawling and I was like oh shit I'm a fucking single mom how am I gonna do this I have no job I have no money I have a five-month-old baby I was I just I didn't even know what to do um and then my mom came in and she asked and I was like I told him to leave and uh she's like are you sure I said I'm sure She's like, this is what you want to do? I said, yeah, this is what I want to do. She said, okay. And after I cried for about what seemed like an eternity, I called one of my close friends that was still in 29 Palms and I asked, I told her what happened. And she actually told me to come over and stay with her for a week. And so I packed up my stuff. I packed up the baby and I went over there and I stayed there. And um, I was trying to figure out my life. And um, I was trying to figure out if maybe I should go back there and um, get a job or stay with my mom and get a job. It was just difficult because um, I felt like I had so much support back near base, um, friendship-wise. But I also knew that I was already settled in my mom's. But I felt like I was a burden at my mom's because... You know, she had just started her new family and she was dealing with that. And so I didn't want to be a burden there. And so it was really, really hard. And then there was, I went through moments where I was regretting my decision and I was like, I need to go back. I need to apologize. And I actually did apologize. I called and he would refuse to take any of my calls. Um, and um, I even called her and her mom picked up and <laughs> you you want to you know her mom told me that this was my fault that um clearly i didn't know how to keep my my husband happy and that's why he had to go looking for something else so that um basically my bed was made and i should deal with it uh because now he was her daughter's which goes to show you um, why she is the way she is. Look at the example her mother set for her. Um, and, um, I mean, I quickly regretted that, you know, I regretted, um, my regret and my apologies, but it's such a scary and confusing time. Um, And part of me was super relieved to be free, but the other part of me was scared and didn't know what to do without him. And, um, and soon enough, things just started turning, you know, um, they they started turning ugly. He was threatening me to take away my daughter, um, because I had no job, um, still calling me and degrading with degrading names and treating me like shit, you know? Um, and so it became a really difficult time. And so, um, I was able to end up getting a restraining order on him because he was leaving me threatening messages, um, constantly. And so I finally, finally was able to prove that he was somewhat aggressive or, um, a threat to me. And, um, when I went to get a restraining order on him, um, I was able to add all the past things, even though I didn't have proof, 
but based on the fact that I had messages where he was threatening to physically and um, physically and like uh, financially um, do things to me and threatening to take my daughter away and things like that. Um, it was kind of more believable. And so I was able to add some of the abusive events and actions that he had um, enacted towards me. And so I was able to do that and I had some peace for a bit. Um, and then soon after I did that, he filed for divorce. And so things kind of got set in motion. And so um, there was really no going back at that point. And so I was struggling to find a job. I couldn't find anything, of course, and I was super frustrated because um, I had a young baby. And I was lucky enough to have my mom help me um, and not pressure me. Um, she was very supportive. And, you know, she even told me, like, you know, I would have taken you back at any point. You didn't have to wait this long. And, um, man, that was to hear that. It, I knew that. It's like deep down I knew that. I just, it was my pride, I guess, to show up and say, you know, you were right. I made a bad decision. Like, help me. Um, but just hearing that was just so comforting. And um, she helped me uh, to be able to get back on my feet, even though she had her, you know, my sister, which was still really young. Um, and I guess what I want to say to people that are in this situation or have been, and I don't know, maybe you agree or don't agree, but there's never a perfect time. The perfect time is literally when you're ready. No one can push you or tell you when to leave, how to leave, where to do it. It literally has to be this moment of um, this moment of realization for you. You know, you have to be completely done, and that's what I tell people. Like, only you know how much you can take. Only you know what your limit is, and only you know when you're gonna be ready to walk out. And for me, that limit was my daughter. Maybe. For me, I was okay to be able to be, um, it was okay for me to allow that treatment to myself, which shouldn't have been okay. But for me, it was, I guess, in retrospect, you know, whether it was low self-esteem or fear or pride. Um, but for me, that was okay. But, but for me, that, that line was my daughter. I refused to have my daughter live in an environment where she would be fearful, where she would see me mistreated, where she would potentially be mistreated, and um, and that wasn't okay for me. And especially because I grew up in that kind of environment, and I remember that, and that is traumatic, and it's sad, and... Um, and I didn't want to raise her, you know, believing that that behavior and that treatment was okay. 
And so um, whether it was an epiphany or it was an whatever it was, um, for me, that line was my daughter. And that is when I realized I was ready and I was strong enough to walk away. And so I always say that my first true love, my baby, my first baby girl, she's the one that gave me the strength to stand up, stand my ground, and just walk away. And really start learning how to love myself and accept better and to do better for myself. And it was a long, long, messed up journey um, of endless, endless abusive events, mentally, emotionally, and physically. But, um, but I survived. I made it through. And, you know, some of us aren't that lucky. And so I'm grateful for the fact that I was, and I was able to make it on the, to the other side alive. Um, there's always hope. I want people to understand that there's always hope. Um, and there's always help. Don't be afraid to be judged. Um, I know it's a difficult uh, situation to be in and it's scary to open up about something like this because you don't know how people are going to react. Um, and that's okay because even us before, during, and after, we don't know how we're going to react either. And we don't even understand why we react the way that we do. So it's okay. Um, but just, uh, keep strong. Um, and whenever you find your limit, hold your ground. Just remember when you reach that crossroad to stand firm and stand your ground um, so you can fully cross over to freedom. You're capable and it's possible. It's just one step over. You can, And I believe that all of us just needs that fortitude, that um, inspiration, that strength to help us cross over. Um, it is all dependent um, on us individually based on our time. It's all about when you're ready. Um, so don't feel forced. Don't feel like you have to listen to other people. It all comes down to when you're ready. Only you can make the decision to save yourself and you will, and you can. Um, and like I said, for me, it was my my baby girl that gave me that strength. And for all of us, it might be something similar. It might be something different. doesn't matter. But there's something. And that one thing is going to anchor you and guide you to where you need to be. And believe me, that salvation, that freedom is amazing. It's almost unbelievable. It's surreal. But it's real. And, um, I can't wait for those of you that, um, for those of you that are waiting to get out of a abusive situation to get there. I'm so happy for those of you that 
have made it out. And um, I just want you to remember that you're not alone. Um, you didn't deserve it. And that you are capable and deserving of everything you want in this world. And you don't need them. And remember that they want you to believe that you can't be anything without them. But that is absolutely untrue. You will be whatever the hell you want to be. And you will be the best you in spite of them and everything they've put you through. And I am a living proof of that. 19 years ago, I would never have imagined to be in the place and setting that I am now. Um, in a place where I am successful, educated, with a family, multiple children, um, and creating a space for support and um, motivation. And so uh, years ago, I, I wouldn't even think I was worthy of doing anything close or having anything close of what I have now. And that's exactly what he wanted me to believe. And so um, don't believe that, okay? Uh, I believe in you. Um, I support you. Reach out if you need or just want to talk to, to someone. I'm always here. And um, yeah, I guess I'll just wrap it up there. So remember to drink your celery juice, make moto moves, and come back next week for another episode of Moto Moves Podcast. If you or anyone you know is a victim of domestic violence, reach out to 1-800-799-7233. Take care. Love you guys so much. And I'll see y'all around.